0: Hey, I'm Ruben from Dub. Welcome to Connection Loop, our actionable podcast about building businesses with daily human connections. Connection Loop features long form interviews with fascinating people in sales, marketing, and beyond. Enjoy today's episode and learn more about Dub at Dub.com. Hello, everyone. I'm Shannon from Dub.com, and welcome to the Connection Loop podcast. Our guest today is John Walker. And John, why don't you just give a little backstory about who you are, and then we'll get into this uh, really interesting conversation.
1: Sure, Shannon. It's uh, great to be here. Uh, this is a, a fun thing for me. It's not something I've done before. Uh, I worked in telecommunications for a uh, better part of three decades and uh, had a really amazing opportunity there uh, to uh, deliver enormous uh, technology projects of of really varying sizes, but on on a national scale. Um, Point is a lot of work in the point of sales space, uh, redesigning and and, uh, rolling out a new platform for for our company in that regard. Um, Several billing system conversions. Um, uh, One of the last things that I was working on, it was really exciting and kind of groundbreaking for North America was putting salesforce.com uh, in, a, in a multi-channel retail environment. Uh, a lot of people are familiar with Salesforce.com. Um, and and think this is of, for
0: Verizon, right?
1: Yes, that's right, for Verizon. Got, wow, gotcha. Um, a lot of people think of Salesforce.com or, or had, anyhow, as a B2B tool, which it certainly was and has been and continues to be, but um, it's also useful in a, in a retail application. So we, we rolled that out and uh, had – really good success there. And then uh, as uh, they say, sometimes it's time to turn a page and try something different. And that's what I did last July. Uh, there was a lot of uncertainty and things going on with the uh, the pandemic and all. And I um, left Verizon and started farming. And that's what I've been doing since.
0: Wow. Wow. Started farming. Okay. it's So much to get into here. I mean, the title of this podcast is lessons from a janitor turned ceo so i want to get into some of that backstory um and about your family history which is which is great so i mean let's start there actually and then let's get into your journey going from the world of you know corporate verizon technology to farming um sure. so yeah, it's gonna be a fun podcast but yeah start with that that the backstory please yeah
1: i mean i think um just to be to be clear i'm not the uh, the janitor turned ceo uh <laughs> the the concept there was really things that my grandfather told me when I was a, a young kid, um, he was not able to get into World War II. Uh, he had uh, tuberculosis. And um, one of the things that he had, uh, one of the jobs he ended up getting here was, he was actually sweeping the floor at uh, a boiler tube company out in Pittsburgh. And um, long story short, he, he ended up owning that and being the chief executive at that business so it was you know when when he had uh, nuggets of wisdom in retrospect they were you know really meaningful to me and uh, the the one of the things that stands out for me the most from from him was if you just do what you say you're going to do just do what you say you're going to do you'll be ahead of 70% of the people and if you do a little bit more than that there's no stopping you and it's a it's an extremely simple uh, concept, right? But so many people don't do what they say they're going to do. And uh, it's one of those things you, you've got to build trust with your customers, and being reliable and doing exactly what you say is is one of those one of those lessons from him that uh, really stuck with me.
0: That that's powerful, actually. It's one of those things that when you hear it, you think, "Wow, why why haven't I thought of that?" Of that because it, there's so many times where you'll say even to yourself, maybe not even publicly I'm going to do this and then maybe not following through. That's, that's great advice. Sure. Yeah. So any other lessons uh, that, that you learned what we share at the top of this podcast?
1: Um, well, I think that that thread kind of carried through with all of what we did with our customers and, and the way we thought about our customer experience at Verizon and what we would, uh, what we did and, and what they continue to do there. Um, Boy, let's let's see, where can I start?
0: Yeah, well, one of the things
1: what? is, uh, pardon? Yeah, go
0: ahead. Sorry, that go was, ahead, no, yeah.
1: One of the things is um, obviously you're in business to make money, that's that's what you're there to do. Um, but if that's the only reason you're there um, and you don't get some, some level of enjoyment out of providing service to customers, um, you're gonna have somewhat of an uphill battle, I think. Um, in in the long run. So uh, the degree to which you can see your business through the eyes of a customer, um, it's really important. I I mean, I was a guy who started out network technology, network engineering, um, moved over to uh, IT and from the IT department, then moved into operations and marketing. So I didn't have the store experience that was um, of the, the people that I was serving. Uh, in my operations technology role at Verizon. So it's super important to get out with those people that were in front of the customer and to see what those interactions were. See how they, uh, see what are the uncomfortable things that happen in those interactions and how are they best dealt with? How do you best serve that customer? Um, and again, from a systems perspective, there were things that you would not even understand uh, how your system was working if you were you know sitting in a headquarters somewhere, because there's a way that a system is intended to be used for sales, and then there's the way that it actually ends up being used, and those aren't always the same thing. And you and you learn an awful lot. Um, you you uh, you basically you learn what will the the users of the system, what will the frontline rep um, get the most value out of. If, if you don't spend a decent amount of time with them, you you can have the greatest strategy in the world, but your adoption will be in the tank.
0: So out of that, what were the strategies that, that kind of held true over a broader swath of, of, of the methodologies that you're trying to deploy?
1: Well, I guess there were a, a few. When I think about our, you know, the role. Uh, I apologize, by the way. Or the dog. I don't know if you can hear the dog barking in the background.
0: Oh no, it's it's fine. I, well, you know, actually, that plays into here at Dub. We all we always talk about like um, you don't need to have a, a fancy camera, or, like a fancy back, or, like it's and these are the most human moments, are what we love. Like when when there's a dog, or yeah, that, I think that's what almost that's the power of video, and especially like a podcast, like that's that's what humanizes us. Um, so, anyways, yeah, totally fine. Feel free to continue.
1: All right, well, with, with all the system implementations that, I, that I've done and, and in terms of thinking about the customer and, and uh, that customer is different in different circumstances. So, um, but how you deal with them is, is somewhat universal. First, um, you do what you say you're gonna do like I, like I mentioned, being fully transparent, don't have hidden agendas, include people early Uh, If you're rolling out, for instance, a large implementation uh, and some people have an inclination not to include everybody because they'll just muddy the waters. Um, Well, training will get caught up eventually. We we don't need to pull in. It's completely the wrong approach. Even if you think there's a group that's not impacted by the implementation that you're involved with, include them. They'll let you know. (laughs) <laughs> They'll let you know whether and or how they're impacted and uh, become part of the team instead of being, um, you know, somebody that finds out in the last minute and ends up being, um, it, it being uncomfortable for them. It, and it, it hurts your long-term credibility. So, Shannon, there's there are a lot of different uh, roles that I had while I was at Verizon. Um, and I'm just trying to think through what are those things that would be most interesting to your to your listeners. I don't know how many um, folks I- involved uh, from a you know from a Dub customer perspective are involved in system integration. Um,
0: yeah, it's it's, yeah. it's it's a broad swath sales marketing. I mean, I know you were involved with a Salesforce integration, which actually Dub we just announced a Salesforce integration of our own. Which was pretty exciting when, when we launched that. So, well, maybe, yeah, talk a little bit about that process. Of, yeah, Salesforce uh, was, that.
1: yeah, that that implementation was uh, really a, a great example of a lot of this, the principles of how you deal with a customer um, is, you know, customers are people. You're just dealing with people as you're pulling uh, a large project together. We had people from Deloitte, uh, Julie Biller was our person in charge uh, on, on that side uh, from Deloitte and um, Chris Zankov, uh, Matt Fisher, there's several, several folks from Deloitte. And they worked with people on my team, um, Tina Braley and uh, many, many others. There's too many to list, but you couldn't tell where their team stopped and our team started. It was such a cohesive group. Um, and that was that was a really important part of that implementation. Um, again, involving people from uh, every organization, every possible organization, uh, at the very beginning, inviting them, educating them about what we were trying to do, uh, and learning as we went. Uh, it was it was so important for us to uh, to get. Um, You know, something out in front of the the reps, something out in the stores. From the point we signed the contract with Salesforce to the point we had something in stores was about three and a half, about three and a half months. It was an extremely fast implementation. And that was kind of a a basic level uh, of capability that we could then see how were the reps actually interacting with the customers? How did the customers respond to the way we were communicating to them through Salesforce and how we were using text messaging and how we were linking those customers with the store managers who were closest to where they lived. So they, when they would come into the store, it was kind of a, it was already kind of a warm handoff experience instead of, um, you know, just a cold introduction every, you know, when they walked through our door. So you, people could set up their appointments, they'd come in, we'd know who they were. And, uh, All the all the little details around exactly how we worded the message and when the reps got the the news about there was a lead coming for them to uh, to talk with, and how that executed, how we executed that in a way for it to be a cohesive experience for the customer, ended up having a a tremendous impact on sales conversion rates, uh, particularly for those customers who started an order online maybe they ran out of time, maybe they got frustrated, but they they decided instead to just, maybe just, maybe they just closed their app, closed, closed their browser, left and ate dinner. We would then be able to reach back to them and say, hey, if there's any way we can be of a service to you, I'm John Walker. I'm from the store right down the street. Let me know if you'd like an appointment. Sometimes customers wouldn't respond. Sometimes customers would would respond extremely well. So again, um, a little bit of the detail wow. of that uh, program.
0: But, yeah, that's uh, awesome.
1: Yeah. It was, that's it fantastic.
0: Was, yeah. Well, I mean, so that, so I'm really also interested. I mean, I have to, I have to just jump to this part because <laughs> there's so the transition from that corporate world to, to the farming world. Um, And, and is there any kind of lessons that you've brought or maybe that you've learned now? I mean, cause, cause uh, before we started the podcast you shared with me that you know of course this has been a, a crazy time for the entire world but one of the things that you did was transition from uh, you know a corporate a, a, a corporate job to a to a, a farming a farming based uh, agriculture agriculture business which which is really interesting to me so I'd love to hear about that that process like um, how that's been for you and then also you know if there's any kind of business uh, tactics you've learned um, from from the agriculture side that's relevant, for maybe all businesses,
1: yeah, a lot. There's, uh, there are a lot less meetings in agriculture. I can tell you that for sure. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so and uh, a lot fewer. Yeah, we do Lost about twenty pounds when I started farming. So uh, that's amazing.
0: I should start. Yeah, it, I, you it, know, I've always yeah. It, it's been. I wanted to like have a garden. Time. I've wanted to have a garden, but now this inspires me to to do more. In, in this space, because yeah, it's a good, it's a fitness opportunity.
1: <laughs> there you go. Uh, let's see. Uh, Apple hasn't added that in their list of uh, fitness plus
0: yet. Uh, Farming <laughs> doesn't. Agriculture yeah. isn't in there. It should be. It should be. So, be. so <laughs> how was <is, laughs> so that transition? Tell me about what what brought you to this.
1: Well, I, I had done a little bit in the past. I was uh, really interested in um, growing wheat, organically grown wheat. Uh, I had a 50 year old combine. So, uh, you know, I, I would do some planting and it was good while I was uh, working because you don't really have to do anything with wheat except when you plant it and when you harvest it. So it's a couple days a year and that's it. So uh, I started out with that and um, did uh, sweet corn and tomatoes and I mean, probably two dozen different things. I don't, I don't need to list them all. Um it, look, agriculture's hard. Uh, the farmers that do do really well uh, or do well at it, it's amazing. The more you know about it, the more you realize how little you know. Um, I just got in you know I, you know had that run last year last summer and I was growing lots of stuff and it was getting around to October and you know just no farming in the winter really, you, you think. So I started thinking about what I could do with the greenhouse and what else I what I might be able to do through the uh, through the winter months, and and that led me to microgreens. Uh, microgreens happen to be a pretty profitable product uh, in the agricultural market. So uh, I thought I'd learn about that. Minimally, we'd have greens uh, to eat in the house, right? Without going to and the what are food.
0: what are microgreens for those who don't know?
1: Uh, microgreens, basically, it's, uh, it can be cabbage or kale or dill or you know, anything that you would go to the grocery store normally and, and get full size. You start them, uh, in my case, I'm growing them in soil, grow them for about seven to 21 days. You cut them off and you eat the whole plant. Uh, and you know, generally, they're an inch high. Uh, they're not real big, but they have four to 40 times the nutrition of a normal uh, of their adult counterparts. So it's high nutrition, um, it's very, you know, used a lot in posh restaurants and and things for, for presentation. Um, they also have a, an intense flavor that, uh, you know, the broccoli tastes like broccoli, for instance, but it's very yeah. strong. Arugula's got a great strong, strong flavor. So I started growing those and uh, realized pretty quickly that I was doing well with it, and maybe there would be some restaurants that would be interested. I had no idea how to get into restaurants. I didn't have any history in in uh, food service, so I would started just taking samples to local restaurants and said, "Here, take this. Um, see how you like it. Tell me tell me what you can. I can do a lot more of this if you want." And um, I got about an eighty percent conversion rate on my sales calls uh, through doing wow. that. It really, is it was really really good. And um, they would say, well, how much are these? And this is where I guess it, it comes to the full transparency uh, approach with your customer. Uh, and I wouldn't recommend this for everybody, but for me, uh, I knew basically, I knew how much I had invested in them, but I didn't know what they were worth to, uh, it, it, you know, online it'll say $50 a pound, but I couldn't get my head around charging somebody $50 a pound so what, what I would say to the, the chefs, and, and by the way, that's the person you deal with. You go to the chef at the restaurant and I would just say, uh, look, this price has to work for you for it to work for me. And uh, it's gotta work for me or I won't be able to make these for you. <laughs> and they all kind of you know, recognized, I was looking for help from them to set the right pricing on the product. So the first four chefs that I started to deal with, I'm continuing to work with, and they're, you know, we've got a great level, great degree of trust. You know, at one point I came into a chef and said, "Here you go," and he said, "How much is it?" I go, "Ah, you know," and I said a number, and he looked at me and said, "I'll give you 25% more than that." So, wow, I mean, how that doesn't happen unless you've built trust with your customer.
0: So important. Uh, Wow, that's amazing. That goodwill. So it's what. So is that is that one of the biggest lessons, sort of, that you think could apply uh, to all businesses from your experience now moving from yeah. Verizon to Microgreens?
1: Yeah. In terms of being trustworthy and honest, yeah, for sure, um, it, it matters. Um, you know, my approach wouldn't probably work great at Verizon. Right in in that specific regard with with regard to pricing for sure. But um, knowing that knowing that you're being fair with the customer when the customer knows you're being fair and um, you've got their interest, they understand you're in business but you've got their interest at at heart as well um, I think makes a, a world of difference. One of the things I said to the to these chefs, I said, look, guys, I know this is a lousy time to be adding cost to your business. If you're not using microgreens now, I'm coming around. You're, you're, you know, you're a restaurant, you're, you're in a takeout business. You don't know how many people are going to come from one week to the next. <clears throat> so one of the approaches I had was I would say, okay, I'm going to bring you, we'll just say two pounds of microgreens. If you don't use those two pounds, I don't want you to try to, you know, Push a, a half a pound of not so fresh greens on your customers. So next week, I'll give you credit for that half pound uh, when I bring the next the next bundle. So you're not you have zero waste, you have zero risk. And uh, most of them said, "Oh, you're that's really you don't have to do that." But you know it's not necessary. I've done it on a couple of occasions, and and I've pointed out that I'm going to do it through the middle of the year, but. That's a way that I'm kind of extending the olive leaf for you know, extending uh, um, some risk and sharing some risk with them. So it is more of a partnership with those chefs than than they have with their other uh, with their other customers or other suppliers rather. And again, building those relationships and, and building that trust, I think, has is, has uh, is, is definitely gone a long way. I've gotten a lot of referrals in my business from those uh, from those from one chef to the next.
0: Wow. Well, that is, that's a, a lot, that's some great advice, I think. And thank you for sharing, sharing this journey from, from all different sides of business. Um, and that's what we always like on on this podcast to get, to get a lot of different, different ideas. And, and, and you definitely shared that. So thank you so much for, for coming on this podcast. Um, and just to finish it out, is there anywhere people can reach you and, uh, and, and learn more about what you do?
1: Sure. I mean, I've got a website at three, the number three, willowsfarm.com and, uh, Uh, info at threewillowsfarm.com would be a way they could reach me directly.
0: Awesome. Awesome. That's fantastic. Well, thank you so much, John, for coming on the Connection Loop podcast. Until next time, I'm Shannon from Dub.com, And that's it for today. Farewell, everyone. Bye-bye.